Welcome back. It's Derek and Chad here with Howl History once again. It's been a week since the Rudy Gobert trade, and I feel like everybody and their mom has shared their opinions on it. So it's really helped us identify who in the national media we respect moving forward, if nothing else. <laughs> Chad, how you been doing? Good. How you been? I haven't been too bad. It's been fun listening to all the podcasts. There have been, there's been more Timberwolves talk than usual this time of year. That there has. I, like, I haven't even been able to keep up with all of it, to be honest. Like In terms of the podcast, I've listened to a couple things but mostly just i'll read and that's probably where i'll get myself into a little bit of trouble because i'll be reading quotes mm-hmm. probably taken out of context from like longer <laughs> conversations right so like maybe the knee-jerk reactions that some of them had to the the gobert trade um maybe it's a little unfair for me to take the quotes potentially out of context but mm-hmm. potentially they're just bonehead opinions too i don't know <laughs> yeah lots of times they are i mean our so our, our kids go to summer camp, and our middle child uh, went up this week. So on Tuesday, I had to drive her up and drop her off. And then on Thursday, I had to drive up to pick her up. So that was lots of time in the car. It was a couple yeah, hours yeah. away. So I burned through a lot of podcasts, got got up to date on everybody else's opinions. I think, uh, oddly, you can find lots of split opinions nationally, but, but locally, I it's hard to find anybody who isn't optimistic about the deal, who isn't looking forward to... Uh, where this is going to go, no matter the price, uh, which is fun. I mean, I think it's gotten everybody kind of on, on board on the, in the same level, you know, just being excited for the upcoming year rather than all of the contentiousness around should they stand pat? Do they need to make a big move? Should we, you know, take a step back? Do we still need to get rid of D'Lo? It's just most of that is gone right now. It's just excitement, and that's, uh, yeah. that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think to be fair, locally, that I guess would, would be to be expected because you're, you know, the Wolves are a small market team not known for making these sort of big splash kind of moves. And mm-hmm. this is one or two or maybe three times in franchise history. I mean, it's Sam and Spree became a big splash move, but I think at the time, while it was at the time, the biggest move, they were sort of like past their prime players. It wasn't like the Jimmy Butler in his prime or Rudy Gobert in his prime. So I think I would you know rank it, the move itself at the time it was made third. Um, but I think this Gobert move is, you know, we talked about last episode, I think is at the time we're getting him bigger than even the Jimmy move because mm-hmm. of where the Wolves are as a franchise, the player they're getting who's more accomplished at the time we're getting them than Jimmy was at the time we got him. Um, so, yeah, it's hard to see anybody be negative locally because it's just so fun to be in the mix in July in the NBA and going after a big name guy while not getting rid of any of your big name guys. You're not like it's not addition by subtraction, so to speak. Um, it's just in addition to what you already had last season. Um, so, I, you know, so like to be fair to the national people, like they're not looking at it from that standpoint. They're looking at it as a standpoint as everybody else. But I do think there's a group think nationally of like, well, no, you. it's impossible to play two bigs. You need to have, if you're going to play two guys at the same position, they need to be small forwards or whatever. Like there's a lot of that out there, which mm-hmm. I think is nonsense because that's going to be all those same people. As soon as one team cracks a different lineup that is successful, they're going to all be seeing, well, this is what you know, team X needs to be doing now. You know, like, so I, that's where I think those opinions are the ones that I think are more garbage. The ones that just sort of lump in themselves. Like there's, it's fair to question how the fit will be, but I think it's unfair or, silly to just wholeheartedly just say now that it that fit's not going to work just because of the fact that there's not any um i don't it's 
I can't even say there's not examples of two bigs working because there's plenty of examples of two mm-hmm. bigs working, but that's kind of the tone they're taking. So I think that's just the silly opinion. Yeah, I mean, there. I think I, I was thinking about it a little bit. I don't know if somebody said something that popped this reference into my head or if I came up with it organically. And if, I'm just going to pretend like it's just me because that makes me feel better about myself. That's what but I do. Yeah. yeah, this was my idea. Nobody else came up with it. <laughs> but um, but the, the closest comp I've come up so far with what the Timberwolves are going to be this year is the 2004 Detroit Pistons. So if you compare Gobert and Ben Wallace and you compare Cat and Rashid Wallace, that is, at least in terms of their offensive skill sets, as close as I think we can get. I know that Sheed was a better defender or at least had a better defensive reputation than Cat does coming into this year. Um, but Gobert's a better offense player, I think, than Ben Wallace. Right. And I think that's true, too. So, so I, I don't mind that combo. I, I actually was thinking David Robinson and Tim Duncan. And obviously, sure. Tim Duncan's a better post scorer than cat uh, but cat's a significantly better shooter than either of those guys and i think gobert and david robinson circa the tim duncan years mm-hmm. is a pretty fair comp um so like uh, it's not a perfect comp either but i think that's the one that you know that i keep kind of going back to yeah at least for the pistons i, I was able to even extend it far enough to say you know if Jaden can play the tor- the torian prince not the torian prince the tayshawn prince role um uh, Torian Prince isn't going to play the Tayshawn Prince role, but no. it would have worked well if they had. Yeah. Um, and then you have D'Lo, who spent a, just a little bit of time with his first you know, team, dropped off to a second team that liked him, made an all-star game there, kind of the same way that uh, Chauncey Phillips. Billups did yep. with Minnesota. He never got to the all-star game, but we really liked him here and would have kept him around if he hadn't had the logjam there. And then you know, made his name with his third team. If he can extend himself if he can take a step to another level and you know get the wolves to where the pistons got to he'd be a you know a folk hero all of a sudden he, his reputation would change overnight the same way billups did and yeah, i mean well, that's the same what i was doing with the spurs as well i i compared delo to tony parker i don't remember if i did it on on the podcast but at least privately when we were talking about the the murray potential trade yeah i one of the things that made me hesitate on that is because i felt like oh this could be another wiggins situation all over again where D'Lo gets traded to a team where the coach just knows how to use them, put them in a system that fits his skill set better because they don't really have a lot of other players that are as good as him. So he's going to be featured more. And to me, D'Lo's got a lot of similar skill sets as Tony Parker. Like, I think D'Lo's a more talented player than Tony Parker. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's as good as Tony Parker. No. But I think if he was used in a different way, potentially he could be a better version of what Tony Parker is. Um, and then you could compare Ant to Ginobili, which they're not – that similar of players um but if ant became a little bit more of a facilitator the way mm-hmm. ginobili was he could be a better version of ginobili you know it sounds crazy to say like we would have potentially three guys better than three of their top four players like i don't we're not gonna have anybody as good as duncan i get that but our next three could potentially be better than robinson at that time yeah now robinson is one of my all-time favorite players so i think in his prime he was better than gobert but at at that point, they're pretty comparable players. And then um, Ant and D'Lo being potentially a better versions of Ginobili and Parker, who right. were perfect fits for that system. Mm-hmm. I get that. And that's why they're a championship team. Um, but if you looked at them individually, you took Ginobili off the Spurs and put him on the Suns or whatever and compared them to what Ant would – like I would think even now Ant would be favorable in a lot of categories. So, um, And then there's other ones. There's more current ones. The – the Cleveland Mobley and Jared Allen or um, Milwaukee with Brooke Lopez and Giannis. There, so there's a lot of even current teams that are deploying two bigs 
to pretty good success. Yeah, and I know we talked, you know, the main comparisons we brought up were from the early 2000s, and it's fair to say that there's still risk in this and that it has yet to be proven that your two highest paid players can be bigs. But I think as we've talked about this and as we've gone over it time and time again, it Rudy Gobert is at a tier and at a level within the league that you're going to consider him one of the top. He's not a 1A player. That We know who the 1A players are, the guys who are the best in the league who can, can be considered, you know, at times or for a long period of time, the best player in the NBA. I feel like we've cycled through a few of those guys, and we all know the names. It's Giannis, it's Curry, it's Embiid, it's Jokic, it's Luka oh, as yep. he steps into the, you know, it's, it's that group. And Gobert's not in that group, but I think it's interesting to take a look at where Gobert falls and who we would consider who in the NBA, if the Timberwolves are going to offer this package for one player, who else in the NBA would give the Wolves a better chance at winning one cha- at least one championship than Rudy Gobert? And do we consider any of those players a realistic target that either A, the other team would have traded for this package, or B, would have stick- stuck around on Minnesota if we had gotten him in the first place? And it's a very short list, and I don't think there are many... I think, you know, Connolly and Finch to, you know, stood up there the other day with, with Gobert and said, this is a perfect match. This is the guy we wanted. He fits seamlessly into what we're doing, and I think in terms of top tier players, that it's the best we're going to get. So I mean, we can walk through the list really quickly. And like I said, I've got my top list of the the no doubters, the guys that nobody would even consider um, because they're just never going to be available. And that's Curry, Embiid, Tatum, Jokic, Doncic, Giannis, and Kawhi. I feel like those are those are guys. And Tatum's probably the only player on that list who nobody would say this is the best player in the NBA. Like, there's going to be a faction for each of those other players that would say this is the best player in the NBA right now. And I think there would be a lot of people in Boston that would disagree may, with that. Maybe in Boston, but at the, at the same time, he did just take their team to a title, and he's 24 years old, or to a NBA Finals. Finals. Yep. Yeah, and he's 24 years So whether or not they think he's the best player in the NBA, there's no way they'd consider trading him. There's no package right, right. That, would, that, you know, that would happen. So And then the next tier for me, if I'm looking at players who... I, I, if I want the Timberwolves to win one title, you know, whether it's short-term or long-term, these are probably the, the next group, the, the group that I would probably put Gobert in. And that includes Kevin Durant, ja, ja, ja Morant, Devin Booker, and uh, Evan Mobley. And they're all question marks for different reasons. Durant is currently the best player of that group. Mobley has the longest runway ahead of him. Um, but... That's the tier that I would put Gobert in. I don't know where you fall on those four if you'd put him ahead or behind specific players on that list. I, I mean, I, I think if we're talking tiers, I'd put him in the same tier. Yeah. As you are, I would probably put him, honestly, at the top of that tier just because of if you're looking at fit as right. well. I don't think Ja on the Wolves fits mm-hmm. with it, all the other pieces we have. Um, I don't think Durant fits... He fits better than Ja. He doesn't fit though because he's 34. Right. He's hurt a lot more now. Yep. He it's a, it's has, a, I think that's a bigger risk than Gobert is. I agreed. He's a yeah. bigger risk. That's why I would. That's a better way of saying it than not as good a fit. He's mm-hmm. a bigger risk, and I also think he comes in and like that's another score, and you don't need a fourth score. Like now he yeah. become the number one score. Yeah, but now he's taking he's taking good shots away from Cat. He's taking good shots away from Ant. He's uh, taking some shots away from D'Lo, which we care less about than the 
the other two guys. But mm-hmm. also now you have four very offensive-focused guys. Yep. I know Durant's a, a good defender as well, but he's not Gobert. And um, so I just think from a fit standpoint, Gobert fits a lot better. Booker, again, I don't think he fits. Um, I frankly put him at a distant behind mm-hmm. um, Gobert. And then Mobley, I lo- like Mobley was my guy in last year's draft, and I, you know, I still think he was the best player in that draft now that we've seen a full season of him. But even with that, you kind of hope he can become a Rudy Gobert. Right, and I'm not saying <laughs> he, he will ever reach Gobert's peer. Go- he might peak, not, yeah. But yeah. if you get 10 to 15 years of Mobley, right, right. hopefully that, that yep. gives you just as high of a chance but, at but reaching with the your, yeah. Yes, I, so I get the, the attraction to him. I, but using your definition of what the, this exercise is, to, to your best chance to win at least one title, yeah. you, you can't take the potential and say that that's worth to win a title the, the guy, if the guy reaches his potential to reach the level of the guy that you're getting for sure, mm-hmm. is that make you a more likely team to win? I, it, like, I just think by definition it doesn't, right? So, like, I would put Gobert over all of them. I would probably, if I was to rank them, um, Ja would probably be last and not because of him as a player. Like, if I was building a team, Ja would be ahead of some of these guys. Yeah. Um, but Durant would be next, then Booker. Actually, then Booker, then Durant. Durant would be second out of those those four for me. Yeah, so I, I think, so, but I think that's the tier for me. And then I have a list. I have a long list of guys who I would consider top targets, but probably I wouldn't like. It would need to be less of a package for me to be okay trading for these guys. And you know, it's this Dejounte Murray who we just saw move. You know, that took three picks you know, as opposed to the four that we gave up for for Gobert. It, it might have still been a little rich. I know he fits well with. Uh, the Minnesota roster right now, but at the same time, I don't think if we had brought in Murray, we would be sitting here talking about championship hopes. We'd be talking about an improved team that can hopefully guarantee themselves in a, a spot in the top six next year. Mm-hmm. Um, Shea Gilgis Alexander, I think, is along those same lines. He seems to be in the same tier of point guard as, as Murray for me. Ben Simmons, we've talked about him plenty. I think he'd be a wonderful fit on this team. He always would have been, but at the same time, we don't know what you're getting out of Ben Simmons anymore, and who knows what his market even looks like. Um, this is the one that I think is going to be the most contentious is, is Trey Young. I, I don't see him as a higher level player than Shea and Murray. Um, I know a lot of people do. They consider him a top tier point guard and a a franchised player. Uh, until he can learn how to play defense, I don't think he raises your title odds in the same, in the same way that most of the guys on these lists do. I, I, I mean, I would disagree with that. I would, I would put Trey above Shea or Murray. Um, in terms of a player, yeah. I think I, I agree with you. His defense is the problem, but his offense is so ridiculous in a way where <clears throat> he changes the game. Like there's no shot that's not makeable for mm-hmm. him. And he can, he also has that sort of it factor that some of those other guys in that top tier have where take the series against the Knicks. He can put the team on his back and just will them to a victory in the, in a way that kind of, pulls up the the his supporting cast up to a higher level that said i would keep him in the same tier you have him in only because of fit it doesn't make sense again i don't the only guy that is close for me of these guys well and i know you have a couple more coming but yeah. simmons only because he's he's the guard slash wing version of what gobert is he doesn't take shots away from mm-hmm. two other offensive juggernauts and ant and cat um he Bill's needs that this team has that none of these other guys do. Trey's not going to fill a need that we don't like. Is he a great player or a great shooter? Yes. But is he going to 
like we already have some of those. We had we just traded Beasley as it was another one. Um, we you know like there's very few guys on this next tier that that um, solve a problem that the Wolves currently have. Yeah, would you so would you put Simmons up in the the Booker Mobley jaw tier? Yeah, I, actually, I probably would, and I would actually probably move Booker down to the next tier personally. Okay. Yeah, um, and I would probably even move Jaw down because. Look, Jaw and Trey are kind of similar levels for me as players. Um, and then Fitz, they're both. Because I don't think Jaw's any better de- defensive player than Trey, to be honest with you. And um, you put Jaw down in that same level with Trey, and, where they could, they're could they both special in the sense that they can will a team to victory. But they're also going to be, like, if we're just replacing the trade that we did for for Rudy, mm-hmm. they're on a team that still has D'Lo and Ant right. in the backcourt as well. Right. It just becomes such a logjam there. So from a fit standpoint, I'm not saying that Rudy's better than Ja or Trey Young. I'm saying he's better for this team. Sure. Those guys. Yeah, and I probably feel the same way about Simmons. If they had made this, if they had traded this package for Simmons a year ago, before the whole sit out, you know, sit out half a season, go to Brooklyn, be weird, you know, have his whole thing going on, I probably would have been pretty happy. I would have been all over it. Like, look, last year, this is the exact debate we had, right? Like, you, you pose that question last year about would I trade D'Lo and four first mm-hmm. D'Lo Jaden and four first. And I would say, I'm not including Jaden and four first it's four first or Jaden. And yeah. that's exactly what the wolves did. In fact, the wolves did better than that. They kept D'Lo who's a better player than the four guys we like that we yeah. traded. And, you know, they gave up the same number of picks that we were talking about last year for, for a guy that's on the same level or, or as we're discussing, maybe above the him in terms of fit for this team. So I, but then, like you said, everything else that's happened since then has diminished Simmons's value even more mm-hmm. to the point where it would be harder for me now to even give up the package we gave up for Gobert for Simmons, even though it's a better package to give up than the package we, we discussed right. last year that we debated. So Exactly. All right, so the few names I have left are uh, Bam Adebayo. He's, I don't think he's at Gobert and Towns' level, but he's younger. He would be a good fit next to Towns, um, at least in mobility. There would be less questions about having two paint bound guys you know and his question ability to defend on the perimeter might look better i don't think he's as good as gobert so his immediate chances of returning a title don't help you as much but um, he offers different things Um, let's see dame and lebron are both at the stage of their careers where i don't feel like you're going to bring them in um, and hope that they're going to have that last wind in them to get you a title Uh, zion and cade are both too far away for me to really and especially with zion's injury history for me to really know what i'm getting out of either of them i know they should be at the same level for me as mobley is but i just trust him more than either of the other two and his uniqueness is like I, he's not more unique than zion nobody's more unique than zion no. but i just i can't but then zion also has the same like he's a better offensive player than gobert yeah but he's going to be scoring from the same spots gobert is <laughs> right right exactly. so it's like the, the all the spacing concerns that some people have with the fit between Gobert and Cat, you're also going to have with Zion and Cat, and you don't get the defensive upside that Gobert provides with Zion. Yeah, and then so. the last name I had was Anthony Davis, and two years ago he would absolutely have been in that top tier. His injury history is just too worrisome to he's, rely on. The, he's the most fragile player in NBA history, yeah. I think. I, I I wouldn't touch him with a ten foot pole even for a, a much smaller package than what we gave up for Gobert. I just have zero interest in Anthony Davis at this point, which is sad because at one point he was my, probably my favorite non-Timberwolf player. Yeah. But he's just so undependable um, from a, just getting on the court standpoint. And, you know, he's, he's 
he's got more concerns even than Simmons has for me mm-hmm. in terms of his availability or Zion for that matter. Like I'm more confident that Zion's going to play more games over the next three years than Anthony Davis. That which is crazy because Zion doesn't really deserve right. That. Yeah, he didn't play at all either. last year, right? <laughs> yeah. So. So, I mean, so we came up with seven guys who are untouchables who would clearly be ahead of Gobert. We came up with three or four guys who would be in the same tier but are also untouchable. And a bunch of guys who would be a, a tier below, still close, still valuable players that you'd like to have in your team, but nobody that's going to immediately vault you into championship contention. So when we're taking a look at what the Timberwolves traded away, we might be able to say that they overpaid. Like, But we don't know that unless we were in the room in the, in the negotiations. We don't know what the cost was. We don't know what the other teams were offering. And there's nobody better than Rudy Gobert, both in talent and in fit and in championship potential that the Timberwolves could have traded for, which is, it just makes it so shocking that some of the feedback, some of the response is that this was a bad trade for the Timberwolves. I think if you just took, I think people overvalue the, the letters that make up the words of first round pick Mm -hmm. more than actually what that value is. Like if you just actually put names like from around the 20 to pick 20 to pick 30 range and just pick, you could just draw them out of a hat from the last five years and put those names and then draw those five names out and then say, would you trade these five players for Rudy Gobert? I think it's a much, yeah, yeah, it's a much different debate because everybody like there's just, it's this way in every sport that everybody values picks before they become players mm-hmm. over the players until those players become stars. And then it's like, it's obviously different. Like you're not like if, if one of those late picks became Nikola Jokic, obviously you would take Jokic. Yes. But, but the odds so, are so low. Yeah. So low that you're going to get somebody like that. More likely you're going to get a guy that barely plays for two or three years and then is a journeyman or out of the league. That's what you're going to get late in the first round. Usually. That's exactly it. So as we take a look at the Timberwolves with their new roster, we went through what the depth chart looked like last week. I know it is way too early. We don't even know what the full roster is going to look like because they have a couple more roster spots to fill up, whether that's through guys that are playing for their summer league team or other free agents that are still sitting out there. But I figured we'd, it would be worth taking a look and trying to at least place our early predictions so that we can have fun with them later as to where the Timberwolves were, are going to fall in the Western Conference, who we think is still better than them and who we think is uh, going to be behind them. Because it's a, it's a hodgepodge, and there are lots of teams in the same tier. So I think it's worth at least throwing out what our opinions would be there. So uh, let's go one at a time and at least state if we think this team is likely to finish ahead of or behind the Timberwolves this year. And let's start with uh, the defending champion Golden State Warriors. What do you think? Well, I think you got to give them the benefit of the doubt. That, mm-hmm. I mean, they're the, form, the, the champions. Here's the weird thing for me, though. This is the first time, I think, in team history i've ever felt like we have a chance to even be better than them yeah like i've never even in the kg years i never felt that about one of the wolves teams that we were on paper as good as they are or at least on the same level as they are um now matchups and all that kind of stuff can play into it i could see it go either way to be honest with you i could see the wolves really clicking by playoff time next year and being the matchup nightmare for the warriors versus the warriors being the matchup nightmare for the wolves so um, I, but I, if, if we're coming to predictions, I'll predict we'll, we'll finish behind the Warriors just because it's obviously it's a, it's a layup. It's an easy one to, right. like, <laughs> to pick. It's a, it's hard to pick against the Warriors right now, especially with, 
the way they closed the season, the health they got as the season went on. Um, I know they lost Gary Payton II, um, but they brought in uh, DiVincenzo from Sacramento previously That's of the, the Bucs. That's a pick, That is. He's going to play well for them. They're going to have lots of depth. And if Kaminga and Moody take a step forward at all, and Wiseman even plays, they have more options. Um, yeah. So it's hard to pick against them. I know they only won 53 games last year, and if you asked me to put the Wolves over-under for this upcoming year, I I wouldn't have to squint too hard to see more than 53 wins, but I think the Warriors are going to be better too. Yeah, I mean, the one thing with the Warriors, because they are their key guys are getting older, Draymond, mm-hmm. Steph, and Clay. there's going to be a lot of DNPs or injury games for them where they don't play, where I think that'll put a cap on what their actual regular season record is. Yeah. Um, I guess when I say the Wolves will finish behind them, it's after everything's said and done. I could very easily see the Wolves being like the 2004 Wolves, where they have like the first or second best record in in the league. Sure. Um, but finish behind them once the playoffs come, just because they have more, they're more battle tested in the playoffs, they have more experience, all that kind of stuff. But um, so like I wouldn't even, it wouldn't shock me at all if the Wolves had a better record than everybody else in the West. Right. Um, you know, regular season's different than the playoffs. It's really comes down to so we're probably, com- more doing more of a power rankings though. Yeah, yeah. So from a, but but like on paper, like they're even kind of, so. I mean, I'm I'll still keep the Warriors ahead of them. Yeah. On that, I'm just saying like that caveat there is that they could easily be behind them in terms of a win loss record because they're going to have more. I think they're going to miss more games from their stars than the Wolves will miss theirs. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, so then we need to move on to the Phoenix Suns. They won 64 games last year, which I would not predict the Wolves to do this year, no matter how well things gel. But the question is, and this all comes with the giant Kevin Durant caveat. We don't know where he's going to end up yet and if he's even going to be traded. I guess I would still put my money in him ending up in Brooklyn heading into next year. But um, how much of a regression do we expect to come out of Phoenix? And do we think the Wolves have reached their tier? I think on paper they're close as well. Yeah. The Suns. So again, this is, you know, would I predict the Wolves to win more than 64 games? No. Do I think the Suns are going to win more than 64 again this year? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like... But I do think 60 is attainable for them um, with or without Durant, by the way. I don't think it really makes I don't think they win more games with Durant than without him. I don't think they win more games with Aiton over Durant either. I like I just kind of think they're very different players and it really changes the way the team is. But I think both guys offer something that the other one doesn't like. Um, I think we're again for them where the difference will be between if they get Durant over DeAndre Aiton, it will be what Durant can help, do, help them do in the playoffs mm-hmm. versus what DeAndre Ayton can do. I think over the course of the regular season, I'd rather have DeAndre Ayton, again, because of his age. Um, they don't really have a strong post presence if they let, you know, or if they include him in a trade for Durant, which they will most certainly have to do. Um, so, but if, like, for this exercise, that they would be the other team I would pick to have a better record just because I think it's until we see how the Wolves look, yeah, it's hard to just like give them the benefit of the doubt that they're all of a sudden going to have a better record than the best record <laughs> right. in the West last year. Yep. All right, so I'm going to bring up our two uh, our two injury question marks from this past season and the teams that could make the giant the biggest leap without any external additions in Denver and the Clippers. Denver is going to be bringing back both Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. The Clippers are going to be bringing back Kawhi Leonard. They could look drastically different as they head into this year, and I, you know, lots of people, lots of media are ranking them as number one and number two heading into the West in terms of favorites heading into next year. I think we'll finish ahead of the Nuggets. Okay. I'm not a big believer in Porter Jr. I'm also not a huge believer in Jamal Murray. Um, 
So, I mean, they obviously make them better, but mm -hmm. you know, they're, they've already lost a few pieces as well. Um, and they're going to have, you know, a new front office that like their whole philosophy may change. We don't know yet, but, um, I think even with all that, like they're kind of one of those, it's just, it's a, so remarkable. And, and we've talked about before that what Joker was able to do with that squad, yeah. even with all those guys out, it was almost like it didn't matter. Like it was kind of the same team with or without those guys. Um, and I think that'll be the case again this year, even with, if those guys play more games that I just don't like think it's going to make a big, huge difference in their win loss record. But Clippers are the one that's the biggest question mark out of all these teams for me, because I could see them being at the bottom of the top eight mm -hmm. and I could see them being at the top of the top eight. It's they, they've made a few kind of sneaky good additions. I think yep. obviously, you know, being healthy would be the biggest improvement for them, but um, they're super the, deep. They have the highest payroll in the league. They're going for it. Clearly. Yeah. They're coached. Well, like they have everything on paper. So yeah. like I would, I guess if I'm, gunned in my head i would say they will finish above the wolves mm -hmm. um the wolves will finish above denver um that'd be my official take on it but i could also see in terms of matchup wise that's also the team the wolves probably match up the best with um with the two bigs because it's not like Kawhi and paul george are gonna like the, the biggest question mark defensively for the wolves can they defend is the teams like the warriors who are gonna have a lot of shooters and the Clippers have some, but they don't have more than the Wolves. And they don't have, all of a sudden, their strength against the Wolves, which was in the paint, is completely mitigated now when the Wolves have two post players better than anybody on their mm -hmm. roster. So it's going to be a weird matchup. That like that could be, an, let's say we finish 4-5, and that's the first round matchup. That'd be a crazy, again, yeah. the Wolves would be in the best matchup of the playoffs next year. If yeah, that which, which is funny to say, since the Clippers were the team that gave Minnesota the most fits during the regular season last year. And they're also the team that kind of signaled the beginning of the end for Rudy Gobert in, the, in Utah with their ability to go five out. So you would think that the combination of the two, like the Clippers are the one team that both teams want to overcome and would need to figure out how to battle that strategy. But I mean, Minnesota beat them in the play-in. Granted, they didn't have Kawhi. They didn't have John Wall. And I like we've talked about plenty Utah, what you know, Rudy Gobert wasn't run off the floor by the Clippers. It was their perimeter defenders. Right, so, right. Uh, there's some smoke. But John Wall's there, not but... like a huge threat from beyond the arc. No, um, yeah. Like Kawhi's not either. Like he, I mean, he can hit him, but it's it's not like his. Like Kawhi's gonna. It's like death by a thousand cuts with Kawhi. Yeah. It's not like one skill set is what's gonna beat you. It's Kawhi can do everything really, really well. So like, whatever he needs to do, he's going exactly. to do to, to yeah. beat you. But, um, I think. What's interesting is like, yeah, that Rudy was the matchup nightmare, like Utah's matchup nightmare against the Clippers by reputation. Because as you said, mm -hmm. like they, they, he gets the, the label of being run off the floor. But like, as you point out, he's like, I watch, I've watched a lot of Rudy clips in Utah now, ever since we acquired yeah. him just to kind of watch the defense and stuff. And like, actually he's, he's more mobile than I even really kind of give him credit for. Because like when we watch him play, he's on cap. Right. And Cat's our best player, so like he's not gonna help off a cat as much as he is other opposing centers. Every other team in the league, like every other team in the league center, is a less offensive threat than Carl Anthony Towns. So like Rudy Gobert is gonna help all every other team more than um, than with the Wolves. And so watching that, we didn't or watching those games more closely than every other Utah game. 
you didn't see Rudy coming off of the center or playing up at the perimeter on, on switches and stuff as much watching those clips that people post on YouTube and Twitter and stuff, you know, I'm like, wow, he's actually a lot better. Like he's more mobile than cat and on defense. Mm -hmm. And even though he's bigger, he's much bigger than cat. Um, but for whatever reason, he's just, he's got better lateral quickness to stay in front of the, the, the ball handler. Um, so I, you know, this is why I think, I think the, union between Gobert and Cat's going to be work just fine yeah. like on both offensive defense. I, I don't like I don't think the pairing's going to have any problem actually. I think it's going to be the best pairing we've seen. Like, you know, we a lot of people thought the D-Lo Cat pairing was going to be so great and it hasn't to this point really been anything special. And I think part of that is because Cat's not a roller in that in, in the sense that Gobert is, but Gobert and Cat, I mean it's going to be so interesting when guy like, you know, whether it's D'Lo or Ant is running a pick and roll with those guys. And if, you know, like if you're a defense, like who do you defend? If, if Ant and Gobert, for example, are running the pick and roll, which guy, which guy are you going to send your defense to? And even if you're able to overcome those two and then he kicks out to cat right. for three, I right. mean, it's just, it's going to be so fun to watch that offense. And then even on defense, it's like, yeah, okay. John Wall beats D'Lo off the dribble and now good luck you know you gotta get you're a much smaller person you gotta get that shot up over rudy gobert like it it's just i just think it's gonna be an interesting matchup between though i think the clippers are less scary to me in a playoff series than like the warriors mm -hmm. even though i could see the clippers having a better record than the warriors next year yeah it's been funny listening to people talk about the wolves who have never watched the wolves suggesting you know, throwing out the idea of having Gobert play, you know, the worst offensive player so he can lurk in the paint as if that's a novel idea and the Wolves have never thought about it before. Yeah. When we've done nothing but see that defense from other teams for the past two years. Like we call right. it the Utah defense because they initiated it against Cat and then the Clippers took it and the Dallas and it's like above all these other teams took it. And the the teams that we beat up the most were the teams that weren't smart enough to use it. Right. So Minnesota is clearly aware of that strategy. Oh, yeah. so. I think that's why they were targeting a big right. because they see it so much. And, and, you know, and then it's just, it's weird to me. Like we were, Gobert's replacing Bando mm -hmm. in the starting lineup. Bando if, had all right. the same warts and then some. That yeah. Gobert if if we do nothing to utilize Gobert and we don't get him to his, the fullest extent of his abilities, we're still better. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, okay, so we've gone through uh, those four. Let's talk about last year's first-round playoff matchup, the Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies finished second in the Western Conference last year. They won 56 games. They were the second second overall in the NBA. Do you think, either because of Wolves' progression or Grizzlies' regression, that the Wolves can pass them this year? I think the Wolves will pass them, and I think it's going to be a little bit of both. Yeah. I think they're, you know, I mean, Jaw's going to be missing some time next year. Um, Jackson's already out. Until Jackson's Christmas out. Or so. yeah. yeah. So like they're already going to regress just from that. No, they might not regress a lot. They didn't regress a lot last year, mm -hmm. even though job missed a lot of games last year as well. But um, I think just, I think even last year or like this last playoffs, the Wolves were the more talented team. I think you could see every single game that the Wolves are a more talented team. The, the difference was experience playoff experience in particular. You know, we had big leads in every single game. They didn't, mm -hmm. you know? And so I, like I just think the Wolves were a better team this year without the Rudy Gobert trade. I think if if the Wolves just stood pat and made no significant, like maybe they get Kyle Anderson, that's it. I think they're a better team then. Like so, I just think 
that much that highly of the Wolves versus the Grizzlies. I think the Grizzlies were a little bit of an anomaly um, with their record, regular season record this year. I think they kind of stole some games because yeah. teams didn't really know what to expect. They also they're a grinding team. Like they they play hard every night, so you got to give them credit for that. Like yep. they don't take nights off. Other teams, the Wolves in particular, take nights off all right, the time. Right. And so that's the difference in the record. Like, you know, how many – if the Wolves just didn't lose, like, their games to New Orleans early in the season and the Clippers teams that we talked about that didn't even floor Kawhi Leonard and some mm-hmm. of these – you know, I think we lost a bad one to Houston, a bad one to Orlando. Like, if the Wolves just do what they're supposed to do against those teams, they have the best record right. of those two teams already. You know, so um, I think that's an easy one for me. I feel – very bullish and putting the wolves over Grizzlies. Yeah, the, and the only other team from last year that I mean we, we're going to cross off the Jazz, right? We're both agreeing we're not yeah, considering yeah, the Jazz they're... a playoff team right now. Uh, no matter what anybody else wants to say about Donovan Mitchell, I, I don't see anything but that team cratering unless they go yeah. and acquire another well, they, player. And I mean they lost Joe Ingles as well, so even if yeah. they kept Gobert, I think they're probably on the well, end. Royce O'Neal as well, so they Royce yeah, O'Neal. they're significantly hampered from what they were last season. But even with the guys they got back from Minnesota. Um, yeah. So then the only other team that was considered one of the top teams in the West last year is Dallas. And I think Luka's going to continue to get better every year. It's hard to uh, go against what they've done in their front office. They've made some smart decisions, even when they haven't seemed traditional at the time. But I don't think they planned on losing Jalen Brunson. I don't think that was part of their their goal or their plan here, even if they had Dinwiddie as a backup to to step into that spot. So um, I wouldn't put Dallas ahead of Minnesota this year. I don't know what you... How you feel? No, I wouldn't either. The the, the, uh, the the thing lurking there is what if Durant ends up in Dallas? Um, I don't know how it's. I don't know if I've I, even I heard that as a. I I haven't. Possibility. Yeah. I haven't. I'm just like Dallas has got to be lurking beneath the surface here on making some sort of move because you already were in a disappointing spot this year with Brunson. Yeah. You know you have the arguably the best player in the NBA and Luca on your team. And then you were, you know, like Luca did everything he had to, to get them where they were, but they, it's clear Luca needs help. Yeah. Are you going to risk a year of Luca's prime by not making an attempt to get a running mate for him? I don't think that Dallas, Dallas isn't a team that sits on their hands. Um, to me, they're not like, they don't have the benefits like the, a team like the Lakers have where they can just retool whenever they need to, to mm-hmm. keep their star happy. Um, but I think they will make some sort of move at some point. I just don't know what it is. And if it's, say it's Durant, that becomes a little bit of a nightmarish um, circumstance, I think, because yeah. a, a durant Luca pairing is maybe the best spot for Durant to go, Sure, in my opinion, um, to not look like you're just riding the coattails again if you went back to the Warriors or whatever, like, because I think that's what he did before when he won two titles. Mm-hmm. He he wasn't good enough to win them on his own. He had to go join Steph and Clay and those guys. But if he joined Luca, he would be Robin still on that team. Yep. To a Batman, like he would earn that that ring. I think more than he did in the Golden State. It, and I think they would be a legit title contender, um, depending on what they had to give up for it. But it would most likely be a lot of future picks and uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. and whatever else. I don't know, but. Um, that would be the only way I think Dallas passes the Wolves. I don't see any other moves that they would make that would pass. Mm-hmm. Maybe a Kyrie, but I don't think Kyrie and Luca's nearly yeah. as. Scary I've heard Kyrie as... rumored. I have not heard Kevin Durant yeah. rumored. I, yeah. and, and I haven't even heard yeah. Kyrie. I'm just, so I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not like 
I'm not saying this is based off of like rumors I read. I'm just saying like we the Durant thing is unsettled. Yeah. And the teams that we've heard interested, some of that's going away because like either the asking price is too high, or, like whatever. It, I I think he will get moved before the season starts, and I think there's a better than 50-50 chance that it's to a team that hasn't been discussed yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of those teams that has been discussed is the Pelicans. It was a team that the Wolves needed to be worried about before trading for Gobert. Um, I think we've clearly taken a step ahead of them, unless they were to get Kevin Durant. If they replace Brandon Ingram with Kevin Durant, I think that's going to be a team that's going to be worrisome in this upcoming year. Uh, But even with how good Zion was two years ago, I don't think they're at Minnesota's level yet. Yeah, agreed. I don't think so either, and I think it's, I think it's more unlikely that New Orleans ends up with Durant than it Dallas does, and Dallas hasn't even been rumored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I don't see Durant being cool with going to New Orleans. Right. Yeah. I um, see that as a thing too. Yeah. So I just, that's the bigger problem than the fit or them being in. So I mean, I think the Pelicans are a playoff team. I just, yeah, I'm not. They, sh- they shouldn't be a threat to the Wolves. Right. I mean, and we've gone through the top eight in the West now. And, I mean, I, I'll run through the rest really quick. I don't think we would consider the Lakers or Kings or Blazers to really be threatening that group, right? No. Again, if the Lakers ended up with Durant. Right. Yeah, if they make a big deal. I mean, even yep. if they ended up with Kyrie, I could see them pushing some of the guys, some of the teams at the bottom. Yeah, but I still eight. think they're a worse matchup. I don't think they're as good as the Wolves even with Kyrie, yep. personally. I mean, if it's—I don't know if they give up Davis in that deal to get Kyrie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, I, I know they prefer to give up Westbrook, but— No, they wouldn't that. give up Davis. You don't think so? Yeah. yeah. So I, but if it's Davis and if Davis is, look, if Davis is just healthy all year and is as good as he was two years ago, three mm-hmm. years ago, um, he hasn't been that great the last two years, even when he was on the floor. Right. So I like, he's not, he's a John Collins S player right now when he plays, which is, you know, we've talked about how much we both like John Collins, but yeah. that's not what Anthony Davis should be. Right. <laughs> that's what John Collins, like, that's fine for John Collins, but Anthony Davis is supposed to be, he's a top five talent. He shouldn't be, he should be at that top list that we already talked about earlier for um, Gobert. He should, like, it should be, it should be offensive to him that he's being in that, in this categories that he is. Right. Exactly. Just not being available. So, um, but even when he's been available, he's been less effective. And, and part of that's, I don't think he's a great fit next to LeBron. I think as much as I agree with like, when NBA players talk about how smart LeBron is as a player and stuff, I agree with all that stuff. I think he's in a genius on the floor. I don't think he's a great roster no. construction guy at yeah, all. He hasn't proven that. Yeah. And so I think, um, you know, Hey, if they want to take Kyrie, great. That, that, that's going to implode too. Mm-hmm. Like wherever Kyrie goes, that's a bad situation for that team. I don't think anybody gets better by adding Kyrie. They get better on paper because Kyrie's a terrific talent, but he's only made franchises worse when he goes there because he, you know, like whatever, whatever it is about the enigma of Kyrie, Kyrie Irving, he just plummets the value of the team because of people don't like playing with them. He doesn't play because of whatever situation. Like it's just a, such a weird, he's such a weird guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know how else to put it, but so I'm not worried about any Kyrie. It's really the Durant, a Durant, LeBron, AD mm-hmm. threesome is, um, if they can stay healthy, it's scary. No, that's a big F because all those guys are old. And, you know, 
in Durant and AD's case, they've both been getting injured far more frequently lately. So, All right, here's a hypothetical that has not been rumored anywhere, and I'm just making it up out of thin air. If you were the Lakers and or you were LeBron, would you be okay with trading Anthony Davis for Kyrie, or Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook for Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving? I mean, I would only for the, I would trade them those two for Ben Simmons and not even take Kyrie. I mean, I'm yeah, just I trying to make the to. salaries figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Out, I have yeah. To. So yeah. I don't think Kyrie is adding much there other than another, like he's better than the Devin Schroeder's or Rajon mm-hmm. Rondo's and stuff that they've had, you know, yeah. in recent years past. But um, I think the biggest addition there obviously is Ben Simmons. Still, they don't have a lot of shooting. No. Kyrie becomes their only like real shooter. I mean, I know LeBron can hit threes, but it's not really, he's like Kawhi death by a thousand cuts. Like he's not going to just beat you on three point shooting alone. He's going to beat you because he's better than you at almost everything. Um, but so Kyrie becomes your, your de facto shooter. Like I, yeah, I mean, so yes, I would do it because I, that's all low. I think of Anthony Davis and right. Westbrook right now, more so than what I think of Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Man, I know. I, I know people have rumored that the, the Lakers would try to, if the Lakers would consider trading Davis and Westbrook for Kyrie and Kevin Durant, would that work out? But I just don't see why the Nets, I don't see why the Nets would do that. And I don't think, I, I don't think LeBron would trade Davis. And I, it's funny saying that because it's not LeBron's decision, but it is as long as he's there. So, right. Right. Um, it's a little bit low, like the trade a few years back when it was Westbrook for wall, yeah. where I don't think a lot of people thought that would happen. Um, and then until it did, mm-hmm. you know, it's a little bit like if, Brooklyn exhausts all their other offers. I'm sure they'll get a better deal than that yeah. with picks. You know, they're not going to get players as as accomplished as that, but they're going to get some team. And that's at that point, that's what you want. If you're Brooklyn, you don't want two old players. You want draft picks. So no, we spent enough time talking about the Lakers. It's like we're ESPN or something. So right, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then after that, the Kings and Blazers are both trying to take a step forward this year. I don't see them even sniffing the top eight, no matter what they do at this point. And then the Spurs, Thunder, and Rockets are at the bottom of the Western Conference. So uh, we had we had three teams that we would say gun to our heads are probably still better than Minnesota in the Clippers, the Warriors, and the Suns. Um, probably, you know, if we wanted to put the Nuggets at the same tier as the Wolves and see, you know, see those two teams battle it out, maybe, you, you know, that falls in the 4-5 matchup and, and see where we go from there. But, uh, but I, you know, I was listening to David Thorpe uh, this morning. He was a guest on... Uh, uh, Howard Beck's podcast and he said you know they always use the term the the championship bus or the title bus I think is what they called it and all you want as a team is to be on the bus and he said Minnesota with Rudy Gobert adding him they're they're on the bus and maybe they're not first class maybe they're riding coach but every team on the bus has a chance to whether it's because of injuries or because of luck or matchups or whatever you get into the postseason you've got that chance so I yeah. think being in the top four or five of the Western Conference with the way that things are and with the the variation and how things can go once you get to the postseason i think minnesota's right there hollinger wrote about it in the athletic um and i don't remember the quote well enough to like say it verbatim but essentially his point was that what the wolves are zagging when everybody else is zigging Mm -hmm. which that wasn't the words he used but that's how everybody else has described it and so he hit on that but what his point was like it hasn't been proven that two bigs can't work right and more importantly Nobody has ever been able to do it when you have the two bigs best at their their individual responsibilities. Yeah, yeah. And so he's like, it, maybe it doesn't work, but if it does, 
a whole bunch of teams are going to copy that. Yeah. And what I like, this is what I, you know, I talked about this even last year about like, I was so enamored with the wolves just getting bigger, like just adding another seven footer because everybody, you're not going to out warriors, the warriors, you mm-hmm. weren't going to out rockets, the rockets, you're not going to like, they already have better shooters. There's no shooters in the, in the entire league that you can go get. That's going to be better than the warrior shooters. Like, so you already, even if you get the best two shooters you can get that aren't on the warriors, you're already second to them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was my, my whole rationale of like, don't copy what they're doing because you can't do it better than them. Anyway, they already got Stephen clay. Like there is nobody else. Like you can go get Trey young and, um, Booker. And say that's your backcourt. Is that better than Stephen Clay? I don't think so. Yeah. Like, you know, like so you're you're already second place, and that's not even feasible anyway. You can't even get those. So, to me, you go out and you get a a big when nobody else is chasing bigs, and the Wolves now if if this does work, what? How do teams copy that? Who do you go out and get that's better than Cat and Gobert? No, there is nobody. No, like, there's no possible yeah. scenario to get two better big men. No, you can't outbig the Wolves. Yeah. No, like yeah. you have like. If you're if you're Philly, you have Embiid, so you have one that's mm-hmm. in that in that yeah. range of them. But who else? Like unless you can, if you're Philly, unless if you can you put can Jokic, Jokic and Embiid on the same team, yeah, right, yeah, so like that. Like that's the only; those are the only other two you can do. Yeah. So like, it's I, this is why I love the move so much. Like they're they're thinking outside the box in an attempt. Like they're like, look, we can't compete with the shooters like the way Rosas did. No, we to Rosas' credit, we got really damn close mm-hmm. in terms of we got. You know, Beasley shooting nine or ten threes a game and making them at a decent clip. Ant became a, a prolific three point shooter. I think if D'Lo had been the shooter that maybe Rosas thought he was when they made that deal, yeah, you know, you're you're closer yet. I still don't think you're as good as the Warriors, but um, but now like they made they made this pivot to get bigger, and then we haven't even talked about like Jade McDaniel's on that starting lineup now. So now you essentially have three seven footers in the starting five and, and even your backcourt's still really big with D'Lo and, and Ant. Mm-hmm. Like it's a huge team. It's a, it's an athletic team. It's a team that can shoot because you have the unicorn and cat. Like that's the the problem Jokic and Embiid would have. Like you're not going to have a, a big that can space. Like nobody can space it for Embiid the way cat could, you know, like, so it's just, there's so many things to like about it from that standpoint. Like, yeah, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And like, this is the best. Yeah. If it's going to work, it's going to work here. Yeah. So you, you brought up Jaden and I, I think he's been talked about a lot over the past week, but kind of in derogatory tones, it's been more of the like, who? well, now send names. Yeah. Right. It's, but it's been more of the, like Minnesota's elated. They didn't have to trade Jaden McDaniels and they were willing to throw in more draft compensation to keep Jaden McDaniels. And, Outside of Minnesota, I mean, and yes, you have the right, you have the right national people who know who Jaden McDaniels is and what his value is going to be. But outside of Minnesota, the opinion is like, Jaden McDaniels, like, why are we so worried about Jaden McDaniels to the point that we're throwing in two extra first round picks? I don't, and who knows if that's it. Maybe it was the 2026 swap and the top five protected pick in 2029. Maybe those got added because we wouldn't do Jaden McDaniels. You know, we're never going to know yeah. what, what those conversations went like. But um, I think the, you know, so we, we need to have some information and hopefully we can find something that can help us understand the value that Jaden has to this team. And I, we've talked, you and I have talked a lot about Jaden McDaniels, whether it was me being ready to cut bait on him early in the year, or you saying, no matter how poorly he plays, I'll never trade Jaden McDaniels, you know, whatever it happens to be, we've gone back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. But I took some time 
to looking at the Timberwolves plus minus numbers, especially in two man, three man, four man lineups, just to see who worked best last year, who who played you know well together, and it, it particularly came out of the fact that I tried listening to uh, what's called the Mismatch podcast with Chris Vernon and Kevin O'Connor from the from the Ringer, because typically they're just fun, they're just and they're entertaining guys to listen to, and they talk about national stuff, and it, you know it's just kind of fun to get on because Vernon yells and O'Connor tries to come on and give some nuanced opinion, and it's just whatever. I'm not there for the specifics it's just kind of fun to hear guys yeah. talk about basketball but they got an and vernon just he took a steamroller to every argument that o'connor tried to bring to that argument and he just ripped into the wolves for everything for every decision they made for the gobert trade they said it was awful and the thing he kept hammering over and over and over again was the fact that the wolves had one of the best starting fives in the nba last year why would you mess mess with that and i I'm fair. If you, yeah, if if you're in Minnesota, it's a fair starting point. It is it's a, a fair, fair starting point. point. But I think if you have watched Timberwolves games, especially right. as the year progressed last year, you know that's not necessarily a true statement. Well, and you also know even if it was true, it's not sustainable. Right. You had a 34 year old or whatever he was, Patrick Beverly in that starting lineup. Right. It's not a long term answer. And it's not a long term answer. And you had a offensive, um, what's the right way to phrase this? That's not. <laughs> I don't want to be disparaging to Vando because I right. love Vando as a player, but he's not a starting caliber player unless your team is that team we talked about the hypothetical of the Lakers of Durant, LeBron, and AD. Like mm-hmm. if Vando is your one of your five, great. You have three yeah. all NBA all players around decade right. players exactly. You know. He's just playing a role. So, but even with that starting lineup, like before the All Star break. Their net rating was plus twenty two. They when they were on the floor, they outscored the opponent the opposing team by twenty two points per hundred possessions. Like like Vernon said, one of the best starting lineups in the NBA. Post All Star break, negative five. Like they did not. They teams figured them out. The defense started to shut down. They couldn't keep up their blitzing scheme anymore to the same level that they did. They weren't surprising but anybody, and they just weren't as successful. They built all they built that reputation in the first half of the year and couldn't keep it going. And then when we got to the playoffs. It didn't necessarily translate to the same to the same level. They had to start mixing, mashing, maxing, mixing and matching rotations, figuring out other guys that were going to step in there. If we want to reduce that to, we want to take Cat Anton Delo as kind of the core three of that group. Their plus my or their net rating with Vando was plus sixteen before the All Star break and negative five after the All Star break. With Bev, it was plus eleven before and negative two after. And even just the three of them together can't add. Cat, Ant, and D'Lo were plus 11 before the All-Star break together and negative one after the All-Star break. But Cat, Ant, D'Lo, and Jaden were plus one before the All-Star break, but plus 14 after the All-Star break. So as everything else kept breaking down, as those lineups kept failing, Jaden stepped up and Jaden, with those other three, proved to be an immensely important player to fit around them in a way that his role was important to this team. When I had said all season two, you know, and this isn't me like, see, I told you so kind of right. thing. It's just like what I always said about Finch that I liked was that he would find ways to make each player fit, right? And he started that with D'Lo, and then he weaved in Beverly, then he weaved in Vando, mm-hmm. he weaved in Beasley. Jaden was the one, which is weird because it's also probably his favorite player yeah. that Finch, like everybody jokes about how he just has this um weird fascination with with Jaden I see it by the way um <laughs> but he that was the one like when when you were ready to cut bait on Jaden it was because you're like he's not even good at like the corner threes and if he can't hit those what what are we doing with him if this is how we're going to use him he doesn't right, have value right. yeah but 
And and my whole argument against that was this isn't how we should be using them. Yeah. Like they're using them. They think he, they're trying to make him PJ Tucker. We got to just stop trying to be other teams. We got to mm-hmm. be what the Wolves are. Like and, and it's my giant pet peeve with all sports. Football is probably worse than this at basketball. But it's coaches come in. It's you know square peg round hole. It doesn't matter what the talent is on your roster. Yeah. You you force them into your system. Finch isn't. As not bad at that as yeah. other coaches, like he's, but he still has a little bit of that, and and I think part of it is because you can't just throw out the entire system that the team had been playing the year prior when he wasn't here mm-hmm. and start completely fresh from day one and expect to have any success. So he was trying to like work in his things. Yep. Um, and Jane was just the last of that core group that got worked into us. Even uh, Prince later got weaved in in a way that worked for him, right? Like Finch is so, that's the thing he's the best at, which is why I'm so happy the Gobert trade happened right away because he's going to have all summer to think about that, all training camp to to work those things in. But Jaden, you know, wasn't just that, like him in those lineups. He was hurt and he came back, right? And during that stretch that you're referencing. But then when he came back, he was like, he had a role. That was more than spot up shooter in the corner. Yeah. As a bailout. By the way, all those shots, it wasn't even that he was just the spot up corner shooter. It was he was the last ditch effort before the shot clock ran out mm-hmm. spot up shooter. Like a lot of his shots, and I haven't done all the, the you know, looking up to, to find the actual numbers in the way that a Dane Moore, somebody can do much better than me. But from just watching the games, being at the games, seeing the games, like all, all so many of his shots came at the last second of a shot clock so it was a bad shot anyway it was a rushed forced shot in the corner not a one in rhythm like a Mm -hmm. pj tucker would Mm -hmm. get right and so once they started letting him have a little bit more freedom in the offense everything worked better everything you know you could start to see the potential in Jaden mcdaniels and seeing that again i don't think everything he's gonna be a star player but the magic in Jaden mcdaniels is he's gonna be like the draymond for a really good team he's gonna be the glue guy he's a different player than draymond but he's going to be the guy that can do a little bit of everything for you and just be the chameleon to work, to fit in with. doesn't matter which guys from the starters to the bench are on the floor with him. He will be able to work with all of them, I think, when he's at his peak um, ability level. Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned the starters and the bench because he worked immensely well with the starters, especially after the all-star break. There's a best three-man pairing with Cat and Ant was Jaden. The best three-man pairing with Cat and D'Lo, Jaden. Ant and D'Lo, Jaden. The best pairing overall with Ant, the best two-man pairing was Ant and Jaden. Like, he worked with our starters, with our star players, our core players so well. And his worst matchups, his worst two-man pairings were Prince, Nas, and McLaughlin. He did, like, he struggled when he was coming off the bench, when he was playing with second units. Like, that was not like I and I would have to go back and watch the film again to actually watch these games to figure out what the difference is in his role between those two things because it felt oftentimes, especially in the second half of the year, that when he started to take his leap, it was when the starters were either missing or out and he had to take on a larger role. But the numbers are proving out that he primarily works well when he's not the focal point, but he's able to just do all of his little Swiss Army knife things that we've talked about. And when, but when he's out there with with a bench unit that's prioritizing speed and ball movement and shooting and whatever it happens to be, he he takes on a little bit less role. And may, net rating isn't perfect. It means that those groups just weren't as talented as the teams they were playing. Right. This isn't adjusted plus minus or anything like that. But um, what were those three man? What was the Nas McLaughlin and uh, Prince? Prince? Yeah. What was their three man? Do you have that? Yeah. Give me a second, Jane. 
I'm just curious, like, did Jaden improve that three-man group or did he bring it down? Because I do think, so, again, like you, I'd have to go back and look at it, but I think part of that issue would be Jaden and Prince kind of had the same roles, even though they had very different skill sets. But, like, you get both those on the floor at the same time, I can see it being a little bit of a confusion, like, what do I do? Um, McLaughlin... That one is the most confusing to me because McLaughlin's such a smart player. Right. My guess is the sample size is pretty small there anyway, though, because McLaughlin wasn't playing a lot. Um, so that maybe it's just because of that they weren't familiar with each other. Nas, I can see as well, just because I, I feel like Nas, even though I'm the, a big defender of Nas, is a guy that you put in there and it, everything breaks down because Nas is a, a little bit undisciplined on offense. Um just kind of like he's not bad on offense he's a good offensive player but he's just undisciplined like he's not in the right spots sometimes yeah. so whatever so after the all-star break Nas uh McLaughlin and Prince as a three-man group were plus 7.1 per 100 possessions those three when you added McDaniels were minus 6.3 wow like a so, 13 point swing yeah well uh yeah 13 point swing 13 point four so so I don't like these are all junk numbers, and I'm throwing up stuff yeah, from yeah. 100 minutes of total playtime, so you never right, really right. know. But, Small sample. Um, so, yeah. But yeah, at least in terms of looking at the numbers. And, it, and those minutes probably yeah. came in games that we were already getting blown out in. Right. Or had huge leads, and we were just like foot off the gas. Like So there's a lot of things that can go into it there, but um, when it's that small of a sample size. But it is interesting. Like The bigger sample sizes with the starters is like the key, yeah. You know, and that's the point you're making, which I appreciate. But that's... like I. I think that's where the like you said the guys nationally don't get like it's weird because you talk to basketball like nerds mm-hmm. guys like us for their other markets who are just like maybe not like X's and O's nerds but like just super fans of their teams and like I have a couple of those friends who are living in Texas and or Dallas even and they're so they're giant Mavericks fans yeah um, and I have a couple in other areas as well but the Mavericks fans in particular love Jane actually I have a Laker friend that lives in LA that's a Laker giant Laker fan too and all three of them love Jaden McDaniels yeah like every time I mention him like oh he's so tough or he's gonna be this or he's gonna be like they're as enamored with him as I am and they've seen him far less um which is interesting to me because to me it's like how would anybody else in any other right have no market know anything about him yeah um but you know and like there's other guys like you know the the two Dallas guys in particular for whatever reason really like D'Lo like not so much for the Wolves, but they really like D- like they would. They keep talking about how they would love to have D'Lo next to Luca. They yeah. think they would fit really well together, and and that might be true. Like you know, as D'Lo likes to say he's more of a combo guard, so he doesn't necessarily need to be the main facilitator and looking at whatever. It's not a Dallas podcast, but the point being is that I think people who watch a lot of basketball games of other teams, they they see Jaden and he just passes the. The eye test. Like, yeah. You're like, yeah, that that guy's a baller. He's the type of guy I would want on my team. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I don't think any of those people are delusional thinking that he's going to be the next Kevin Durant or some superstar player. It's not that. It's just that he does so many things so well. And he's like got this freakish physical body that can like make him an elite defender. Um, so he's got so many things like that. If, but of like the national media guys, you know, you can tell when you listen to them talk. They don't. They barely watch any Timberwolves games. Yeah, you know, like or and, it, and it's funny because if they have, they watch that series against Memphis in which Jaden was awesome. So it's yeah. hard to know, like, how are you so like 
how did you not get any impression of the Timberwolves? But even then, and, I, like, yeah. it's my one of my pet peeves in national media is like they, they're lazy with like they they will pigeonhole somebody with something like Cat not being a winner or being a whatever or D'Lo, whatever the case may be. And they, they will just stick to that narrative regardless of what yeah, is happening in right. front of them. And so I think what happened with the Memphis series is they spent all their time watching Jaw, And mm-hmm. even though Jaw did nothing for three and a half quarters in almost all those games and came up huge at the end of game. So then he sort of validated what they thought of him as being the star who could win in the, when it mattered most. They, and then when they were paying attention to the Wolves, it was when Cat struggled, when D'Lo struggled, and when Ant looked good. Yeah. Like the three narratives that they already said, well, this is Ant's team. You know, like that's what the national guys all say. That's all you need to know about the national media. When they say that this is Anthony Edwards' team, yeah, someday it might be. He is still so far from being we, – we've said talked about this on this a bunch of times. He's still so far from being the player that Towns already is. Um, I saw somebody post on Twitter today – or it wasn't even on Twitter. It was on Instagram. But they posted like a poll for fans that – to pick their favorite players in the top five or the most important players. Right. And between the account holder and then, and I forget that who it was um, and the, um, his followers votes. The only difference was, I believe um, like Jalen Noel and Kyle Anderson, like they had those flip flops, but what he was, he was talking about the, when in the order he had it as cat Ant, Gobert. D'Lo, Jaden was the order that both the fans and him had, or the followers and him had. And several people pointed out, like, let's be honest, Gobert's still better than Ant. And mm-hmm. if we're being honest, yeah. I, Ant's my favorite player on the team. But Gobert's a better player. Yeah. Like, and that's not a diss. until Until proven otherwise. Yeah. yeah that's, that's not a, he's a four-time All-NBA player, six-time yeah. All-Star, two-time Defensive Player of the Year. Like, there's not a slight to no. anything to Anthony Edwards when you say Rudy Gobert's still a better player than him. It's not like saying, you know, Desmond Bain's better than him or somebody no, that's in right, his class. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like you're comparing them to all NBA level players. Yeah, and it doesn't mean you would take Gobert over and No, no, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Right. So it's just you know, anyway, so it's just the national media though has already crowned them as the franchise. Right, right. And that, you know, and that's where the talk last summer when people were talking about like, well, maybe we should trade Cat and Delo and build around Ant and Jaden. It's like, what what's the rush? Why like they're twenty five years old. Like we should be building around they're not even in their prime yet. They're just entering their prime. Mm-hmm. So let's build around them. You have four more years before Ant even gets to their age. Like, yeah, at 25, Ant's probably going to be a better player than Cat was at 25. Yeah. He probably will be. But he's not 25 yet. <laughs> so. Well, I think that we've we've gone uh, for over an hour today. And I, it's enough fun with plus minus. We'll bring it back next week for uh, some more good numbers. Uh, looking at you, Jalen Noel, and some, some bad numbers. Nas. Nas cough. So, uh, well, yeah, well, uh, we're surprised that Nas doesn't have good on off numbers, but, um, but yeah, it's been fun chat. It's, it's good to kind of evaluate as this thing, this thing goes on. There haven't been any big moves and I, I don't know if there will be any more quote unquote big moves the rest of the summer. Hopefully this is kind of the roster we have set in front of us and we'll add a piece here or there, but we've got summer league this week. Uh, it'll be fun to watch some of the, the Iowa wolves and the, the new draft picks get out there and play a little bit. Is you, Nate, Nate Knight playing in the summer league? Do you know? I don't. I don't think he's on the roster. I didn't think I, think, I saw him either. Yeah. I was just I was I just thought about it yesterday afternoon. I was like, I wonder if Knight's playing in the summer league in this year, but I didn't see him on the roster. But when I looked at the roster, I, it didn't seem complete. When, the one I saw yeah. looked like it was like eight players. So, um, I think you know. Anyway, I, yeah. I was just curious to see like he's been in town working out a lot. Right. He 
And he's a guy they could convert. They could convert Josh Minot. They could fill up the last couple of spots with guys yeah. like that if they really wanted to, if they don't want to go out and find another guy in their biannual exception. But um, but yeah, we'll keep evaluating the roster, trying to predict what this is going to look like with Rudy Gobert. It's, it's hard to put together potential lineups or how well guys are going to mix because we threw a giant uh, wrench into the into the system here with Rudy Gobert and everything's going to change, but we trust the guys doing it. So uh, Chad, have a wonderful weekend and I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, man. Enjoy your weekend. Talk to you later, buddy. See ya. Bye.